This Christmas season, David Jeremiah and Turning Point Productions present Why the Nativity, a docudrama film that will take you on a thought-provoking journey surrounding the most pivotal moment in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ. Experience the sights and sounds of that first Christmas as Dr. Jeremiah provides a fascinating presentation of biblical history paired with dramatic reenactments. Watch Why the Nativity completely free and find it everywhere it is available by going to whythenativity.org. That's whythenativity.org. The angelic faces in your nativity scene are masking the gut-wrenching fear these people felt in real life. If you can relate, stay tuned to Turning Point as Dr. David Jeremiah shares their stories. You'll discover what happened when these people trusted God through their season of fear and why you should too. From Why the Nativity, here's David with the conclusion of Why the Fear Knots of Christmas. Well, once again, we return to the theme from yesterday, talking about why people are afraid at Christmas and how the Christmas story is so crafted in the narrative that it is filled with the reminders that we don't have to be afraid. And that's such a good message for this season of the year. And I know that I'm talking to some people who really need to hear that. So stay tuned as we explore part two of the fear knots of Christmas. Uh, Men and women, the, the movie, Why the Nativity, the docudrama, is available now from YouTube. You can go there and uh, watch it uh, right now. It doesn't have to wait for anything. There's no appointment needed. It's not just a special time. You can you can get it from YouTube at any time in other ways as well. I'm not sophisticated enough to tell you all of the different streaming services and, and all of that, but you can find out everything you need to know about the distribution of this uh, film by going to whythenativity.org. There you will see all of the ancillary products that are available, some wonderful things you can do to tell other about this film. Uh, It's had an amazing launch. Uh, I can't say anything other than that, way beyond what we anticipated. Hundreds of thousands, literally over 2 million people have watched it from YouTube. And every day that number just increases because people watch it and they tell others about it. And it just grows and continues to explode. Isn't it interesting that people really do want to know the real meaning of Christmas? We've provided that this year after three years of production and hard work. We want you to be available to see it. I hope you will take advantage of that special website and make sure you see this. And there's just a few days left before Christmas, so do it now. Maybe watch it tonight with your family. And uh, during this month, if you send a gift to help us during the year end, we want to send you our very special devotional book, Moments with God, 392 pages, a soft leather cover filled with devotional information to help you in 2023. Ask for your copy of Moments with God when you send your year end gift today. All right, here we go. This is the next edition of Why the Nativity on Turning Point. The Word of God is filled with the promises of the Lord. If you don't read the Bible, you don't have many promises. And I thought I'd just share two or three of the best ones I know for this time of the year at least that you can count on. Let these be in your promise box during the Christmas holidays. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41.10 is one of my most favorite ones. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you 
with my righteous right hand. Here's one you may need during the holidays. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. (laughs) Or Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I've only touched on the surface of this whole book full of promises to God's people. There's a promise in here for you if you just read far enough. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever kind of experience you may be having right now, if you just open this book and you just pray this simple prayer, Lord, I'm going to keep reading and keep studying until you tell me what you want me to know, and I'll know it in my heart when you do. I don't know how long you read or how many chapters or verses, but God has a word for you in his book, and his promises are true, and he never fails. God still answers prayer. God still keeps his promise. And now we go even a little bit further into the story. And in the second chapter of Luke, verses 8 through 16, we see the third fear not. And here we're going to learn that God still has a purpose. Let's say that out loud. God still has a purpose. Read with me as I read from the Bible, Luke chapter 2. And beginning at verse 8 and concluding with verse 16. Follow along. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, here's the third one, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. God still answers prayer. God still keeps his promises. And God still has a purpose. In this account of the shepherds, we are reminded that God's purpose is central to the entire story of Christmas. It has been his purpose from before the world began. And his purpose and his plan involves a Savior, and it involves you. It involves you and the Savior. God's plan and God's purpose, no matter how distant you may feel from him today, is still going on throughout all of the earth. God is still calling people to himself. God is still allowing the Savior's sacrifice on the cross to cleanse hearts and forgive sin. Since the beginning of time, God has had his love focused on you. 
He knows just what you need. And the angel's message to the shepherd lays it all out. The angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is the purpose of God? What is his mission statement? His mission statement is you and me and our fulfillment in him. Someone has written these words that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. And that's what Christmas is all about. And when you're afraid, and when fear begins to creep into your life, just remember, God loves you. It's the most fundamental truth about God that there is. God loves you, and he loves me. And in the midst of that love, if you want to isolate yourself in a cocoon of fear, your choice is up to you. Or you can just relax in the knowledge that as hard as life is sometimes and disconnected as it can be, God loves you. His purpose has never changed since the gospel was announced for the very first time to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. And notice, when God deals with your fear, he replaces it with joy. He doesn't just take away your fear and leave you kind of with nothing there. He takes away your fear and he puts joy in its place. In every single one of these instances that we've looked at today, that's the pattern. When the shepherds heard the angel say, do not be afraid, they also heard the angel say, for I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. When Zacharias' heart was calmed with the fear not of Gabriel, his faith was strengthened with the joy of the message. Gabriel said to him, your prayer is heard and you will have joy and gladness. As the result of the message that Gabriel gave to Mary, we are told that she said to her cousin Elizabeth, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, Luke 1, 46 and 47. When God takes away your fear, he puts joy in its place. Now that's a pretty good trade if you ask me. I'd do that deal any day, wouldn't you? But let's take it one step further. The response to the angel's message was joy in the heart of Zacharias and Mary and the shepherds. But if you keep following the trail at all of these stories, you'll discover that the Bible also says that when Zacharias, Mary, and the shepherds understood the message of the angel, they not only had joy in themselves, they couldn't keep it to themselves. And that joy went with them wherever they went. And they would continue to express that joy. Watch this. Zacharias, when his speech returned after the birth of John the Baptist, as soon as his mouth was opened, he spoke, praising God, it says in Luke 1.64. Mary's heart was filled with praise as the result of the angel's visit. After her visit to Elizabeth, she said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's given testimony. When the shepherds heard the message of the gospel, they went to see the Christ child lying in the manger. We are told that they returned, now watch this, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now watch what happens. When we remember that God still answers prayer and God still keeps his promises and God still has a purpose and we come to him with our fears, he takes our fears and he turns them into joy so unspeakable that we can't keep it to ourselves. And instead of walking around talking about how stressful things are and how fearful we are, we have now rediscovered the joy of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. And everywhere we go, we are all bubbly about Jesus and what he's done in our life. You say, Pastor, that's just unrealistic. Those kind of things don't happen. Some of you are saying, well, all these examples you're using, preacher, they're all from the Bible. These are all plastic saints. These are all perfect people. I'm not like that. Well, they weren't like that either. They were just ordinary people like you and me. Think of this for a moment. All of these people, Mary, Zacharias, the shepherds, they were all in the will of God. Yet they were afraid. They were all going about their daily duties. We aren't told exactly what Mary was up to at the time, but Zacharias was a priest. And what does a priest do? He goes to the temple and he does priestly things. The shepherds were shepherding. They were out on the field. They weren't in church. They weren't in some session. God just intersected with them in their normal lives. They were going about their daily duties when they were confronted by God. They all lived through their fear and they all ultimately experienced joy. And they all experienced, now watch this, they all experienced their greatest fear before God's greatest miracle in their life. Wow. Mary was totally afraid. <laughs> and then God told her she's going to be the mother of Jesus. Zacharias was afraid. And then Gabriel said, Zacharias... Your prayers have been heard, and I know you and Elizabeth are way too old to have any kids, but you're going to have one. Now, that's a miracle. And the shepherds were allowed to be the first ones to come and worship the miracle child. I thought about this this week. When you're the most afraid, just hang on. God's got the greatest thing in the world planned for you just around the next corner if you'll just give him your fears. If you determine to live on, and, you know, we do have a choice, don't we? We have a choice about a lot of this. I know that sounds a little bit rough, and I don't mean to be rough because I'm a compassionate person. Sometimes you just got to sit up and say, look, I can choose to live in this fear and pity of myself for the rest of my time, or I can start taking advantage of all the things God has left me with. You know, sometimes when we lose, we get so caught up in what we've lost, we forget what we have left. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to sit down and say, Lord, I, I feel really bad about some stuff I lost this last year, but I'm going to concentrate on what you left me. <laughs> and I'm going to fill my heart with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I want to conclude this Christmas message this morning with something that was written many years ago <clears throat> by a Scottish preacher by the name of George Morrison. I've not talked much about him over the years. 
I don't have many of his books. They're hard to come by. But he must have been a wonderful pastor in his day. And in my mind's eye, when I'm reading his book, I can almost hear his Scottish brogue. And sometimes even they write in a way that makes you think of that. You know what I mean? George Morrison had a wonderful capacity to see things in the Bible that most people didn't see. Here's an illustration of that insight into the story of the shepherds. Listen carefully. We do not associate fear with Bethlehem. We associate Bethlehem with joy and singing and with the springing up of glad and glorious hope. Our Christmas hymns are among the gladdest hymns to be found in the whole range of Christian music. Even desolate, lonely people are conscious of a kind of inward warmth at Christmas time. And yet, these shepherds out on the hillside were terrified and terribly afraid. He writes, they were not careless or irreligious men. Eastern shepherds were very rarely that. Yet when the angel of the Lord appeared, these hardy men were terribly afraid. And though their trust as simple, faithful shepherds was in the God of Abraham and Isaac, an awful dread fell upon their hearts. Then Morrison says, Think about the shepherds and put them over here for a moment. And let's go visit another occasion when an angel appeared to someone. Let's go to the grave of Jesus where an angel came to visit Mary Magdalene. And he writes, now the interesting thing is that when we come to Mary Magdalene, there is not a trace of that commanding terror And yet if it struck into the shepherds' hearts, we should expect it to be intensified with her. They were hardy and courageous men. She was a delicate and shrinking woman. They were together in strengthening companionship. She was all by herself in the dim light of the dawn. They were out on the hills. She was in the presence of a grave. I mean, how more fearful could you be than in a cemetery? Yet there is not a trace of Mary ever feeling or expressing any fear when the angel confronted her. She did not flee. She did not faint. The angels spoke to Mary, and Mary answered those angels as if she were talking with some friend from the village. One could not imagine the shepherds doing that. Terror held their eyes. What made the difference between Mary and the shepherds? The difference lies in Mary's love for Jesus, a love of which the shepherds were quite ignorant. We all know how love can banish fear. The Apostle Paul tells us there is no fear in love. And the love of Jesus had so mastered Mary that fear took itself to wings and flew away. (laughs) It was a fearful thing to be out in the dawn beside a grave near those Roman soldiers. It was a fearful thing within the sepulcher to be confronted with angels. But just as mother love will drive out fear when a beloved baby is in peril, so the love of Jesus drove out fear from Mary. 
You see, the difference between Mary and the shepherds was Mary knew Jesus. And to have known him and to have loved him and to have been certain of his love for her had slain a hundred terrors. A woman with a woman's heart, she was stronger than these hardy shepherds because Christ had come in to her life. To banish haunting and mysterious fears takes more than the natural courage of the heart. No one would charge these shepherds with being cowards. They would have laid down their lives for their sheep in a moment. But amid familiar and expected dangers, they were equal to the problem. But let unseen and mysterious things happen to them, and sudden pangs of fear began to take over their stout hearts. No natural courage can ever keep fear at bay at such a moment. They haunt and darken every human heart. And then he finishes this little speech with these words. We all move through a mysterious universe, and from fears we are never safe. But one thing we do know, that neither height, nor depth, nor life, nor death can separate us from the love of Christ. In that love given and returned lies the dismissal of a thousand fears. Whoa. Sometimes in my study when I read something like that, I just want to get up and dance around and praise the Lord. Do you understand that message? You know, we often think that the opposite of fear is courage. But the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is love. When you truly know someone and you truly love someone, you don't fear that person. And if you are one of those people who get a little fearful at this time of the year, let me give you the anecdote of the scripture. Just fall in love with your Savior all that much more. Read about him. Learn about him. Come to grips with him. Feel his love in you and express your love to him. Write him a love letter and thank him for all that he has done for you. Bask your whole presence in the love of Jesus. And watch what happens as the fears in your life begin to just seep away. Because you're caught up in the majesty of the Savior whose birth we celebrate at this season of the year. Now we can understand these verses that we read. Like 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Or 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a strong mind. The answer to fear is not courage, the answer to fear is love. This Christmas, when the fingers of fear start to clutch at your heart, Remember three things. God still answers prayer. God still keeps his promise. And God still has a purpose. And his purpose for you is wrapped up in the greatest Christmas verse of all the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. I um, I so uh, am blessed to be able to share this incredible eternal message every day, and especially during the Christmas season. 
when people seem to always be looking for answers. The year behind has not been what they thought it would be, and the anticipation of the new year is filled with some anxiety. In the middle of it is Christmas, and the story of the one who came to make it possible for us to overcome our fears. Uh, The Bible is so very clear about that. When we trust in the Lord, we don't have to fear. We know the one who is the author and finisher of our faith, the creator of the universe, the creator of each one of us. And his word is, don't be afraid, I'm here. I am Emmanuel, God with you. I am the Savior who came to take away your sin. And if you put your trust in me, fear does not have to dominate your life at this season or any season. Thank you so much for joining us today. And tomorrow, uh, we will continue our journey through the Christmas narrative as we talk about why there must be Christmas. We'll see you then. In the meantime, have a great day. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah is senior pastor. How is God blessing you through this ministry? Write and tell us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional for 2023, Moments with God. It's a great tool for daily inspiration in the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Why the Nativity? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game, where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Life is filled with moments, and to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful, year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. On December 26th, someone asked a little girl if she got everything she wanted for Christmas. Her reply was profound. No, I didn't get everything I wanted, but it's not my birthday, is it? Out of the mouths of children come words of wisdom for adults. 
Usually, we give gifts to the person whose birthday we're celebrating. But on the birthday remembrance of Jesus of Nazareth, we give gifts to one another in honor of the gift God gave to us. It's up to us to remember that unique reason for gift giving at Christmas, to remember whose birthday it really is. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's gift to the world on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.